0: Alright guys, welcome to Radical Rocks. Today we've got a very exciting episode for you. We're going to talk about purple rocks, different types. We're going to talk about a lot of cool fossils, minerals. We'll talk about some rock shows and so much journey, more. I was looking at Radical Rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were All right, guys. Yes, radical rocks are everywhere. Hey, is that turquoise? I'm not going to talk about turquoise today. Is that a We might talk about Sagenite. Can't wait to get these home and make some cabochons. Make some cabochons. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting our social media. We're on uh, YouTube. We're on um, MeWe, Locals, Parlor. we're on Gitter, and uh, oh, we just got started on uh, Truth Social too, if you like that format. We've got uh, blogs also, blogspot.com, Radical Rocks. Look us up by Radical Rocks, where you're going to find us all over the place. So today, guys, we're going to talk about sea creatures that looks like it walks on stilts, mission geology, lost gold mines, uh, gemstone hunters that die, largest uranium discovery by an amateur rock hound. We're going to talk about uh, some rock shows, purple gemstones, and so much more. So much more. So let's get into it. Maybe you can tell by my voice, but I've been hit with uh, what seems to be a spring allergies or maybe even a little cold all of a sudden. Just came out of nowhere. So uh, bear with me and uh, let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. Have you ever heard of Lightning Creek? Well, Lightning Creek, our friends at um, JuniorMining.com, had uh, some stories on some gold mines and stuff, and they were okay, but I think we ended up going over to our friends at, uh, yeah, I think that's where it was. Anyway, you go to lostmines.net, and you can look up the gold of Lightning Creek, BC, British Columbia, and this area was a really neat, area. The history goes all the way back to the 1860s. There was three prospectors in particular who were looking for new creeks to mine because uh, they'd mined areas with plenty of silver and gold and stuff like that, but they're always looking for richer ground. Uh, The guy's names was Bill Cunningham, Jim Bell, and Jack Hume. We've read about Jack Hume before, but as they were looking around this Lightning Creek area, they found some Decent gold, but they were still looking for better stuff, and supposedly Bill slipped down off some cliffs, fell, and rolled down an embankment right to the creek's edge. The creek turned out to become known as Lightning Creek, and within a few short years, there wasn't a speck of ground on this creek that was not staked. Now, once word got back, a town was built, thousands of miners into this rich area. There's opportunities for business owners. By 1863, the town of Stanley was built. The town grew fast and was the largest town in the area, even larger than uh, Bakerville, which is a fabulously uh, gold area also in British Columbia. Now, over half the population was Chinese. Most of the Chinese were brought over to help build railroads, and then they were allowed to stay afterwards. The town had everything you could need back then, including three hotels. One of those hotels still stands today. Um, The other town that was built during this time to service this same area, this gold mining boom, was the town of Van Winkle. Yes, I guess Rip Van Winkle must have lived there. I don't know. The town of the street of Wooden Stores, Restaurant, Bakery, And on one side of town was a government encampment consisting of several tents. After a while, the wagon road trail was moved and the road to Barkerville bypassed Van Winkle and went through Stanley instead. And that brought an end to the town of Van Winkle. Gold was plentiful at Lightning Creek. It's reported that thousands of pounds of gold were mined out by hand. The largest gold nugget weighing some 30 ounces all by itself. By 1874, it was reported that half a million in gold was mined in that year alone, and the following year, even more gold had been mined from the larger areas and operations that had started up in this area. Soon, year by year, the creeks let out less gold. Pay layers were getting deeper. Many miners moved on. A lot went up into the Barkerville area because that area was getting a lot of attention. So... The little little that is left of the Stanley area uh, today is a cemetery, the old Lightning Creek Hotel, and visitors can still see a lot of the old broken rusty metal and overgrowth. Little else remains. So that's the old lost gold mine story for today. Um, Next, let's talk about Michigan um, geology and natural resources. That's a real good copper area in Michigan. If you go to HTTPS, semicolon backslash, backslash, www.michigan.gov, you can look up all about Michigan's geology and natural resources. You can look that up. It has two peninsula-shaped areas uh, at the surface, that are surfaced rather by glaciers and the subsurface geology there's many unique and valuable mineral resources the metamorphic and igneous rocks in michigan's upper peninsula are among the oldest in the world they have a long history of mining that includes both ferrous metals like iron and non-ferrous like copper nickel silver and gold Sedimentary rocks that are Quarried out of the area are limestone, dolomite, and sandstone. These are used for different construction processes. Uh, Gibson deposits are mined in Michigan. This is used as fertilizer, also to make drywall and plaster. Rock salt is mined under the city of Detroit, and brimes are produced from the wells throughout Michigan's lower peninsula. They use this for dust and ice control on roads within a variety of chemical manufacturing and fertilizer industries. Also, Michigan has oil and natural gas deposits throughout the lower peninsula, has been producing commercially since 1925. Um, Some of these areas are considered depleted, but uh, natural gas and liquefied petroleum has uh, uh, been stored there in caverns and such. Michigan's glacial deposits contain significant sand and gravel, which are quarries, quarried and mined for construction of rocks and roads, <coughs> for, for putting rock on roads and such. So you can find out more about this if you want. Um, they have a lot of uh, different things you can study there on oil and gas, a lot of geological. They have a searchable catalog. They have a rock library. You can actually go and find out uh, where these samples are on this website. So there's all kinds of stuff. There's a geological survey map, all kinds of things you can find on this website, which is michigan.gov, Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy, learning about Michigan's geology and natural resources. Now, next there's a beautiful picture of a piece of rhodnite. Rhodnite is a pink uh, mineral, can be a dull pink um, to a bright, bright pink, uh, can include yellow and white, but always a black background, which is the um, um, magne- magnanese or magnesium type mineral ore is where this is typically found in those types of deposits. They have a beautiful picture there. Um, The rocks are going to be on display at the Cowichan Valley Museum in Duncan. I believe this was in uh, Vancouver area. That's Lake Cowichan Gazette, if I'm saying it right. Um, Should be close to Vancouver area. If you want to see that, um, their show, maps and displays of historical and geological interest will be shown here on April the 20... That's already over. Shoot. Darn it. I missed the date on that. Sorry. My bad. <clears throat> Alright. Gemstone hunting proves fatal to die. Um, how did that happen? Well, it's the Odessa forest. Um, you can read about this at OdessaTV.in and you will find out that... Uh, it was a cave in in the Bullinger area. Um this appeared to be in I had narrowed down what area this was in. I thought it was might be China um area. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it is in this Tikhara Reserve Forest area, um digging for rare gemstones. And the family is actually wanting to sue the government for the death of these family members. Two were killed and two others um, were buried alive and critically injured. So um, they want to put an end to illegal activities in the woods is what they are calling this. The the people who wrote the article here. But uh, it just goes to show how dangerous... This mining can be. Yeah, Chin, Chinata Bag was one of the persons named. And then Raji Shore Padhania also, critical condition. Okay. So it doesn't really tell me the area. I thought it might be China, but it, maybe it could have been even India. The name of the article, Odys, In It's A D I S H A T V. dot I-N. So maybe it is India. I'm not 100% sure. This one's Oregon for sure. The largest discovery of a uranium mine um, says in the News Register at newsregister.com, article written by Finn J.D. John on April 22nd. He goes on to talk about this person um, who was an amateur rockhound, and he became the discovery of the largest uranium mine ever. They used to call these people who would look for uranium... Seekers of A metal. The A stands for atomic. Back in the 50s, there was a time when there was a big reward for people who would find um, uranium. So Don Tracy didn't know anything about rocks and geology until he was late in his 30s, and he stumbled across some stones, multicolored and some semi-precious, that he couldn't identify. None of his friends either. So since he was a rock hound and he found out about some of the things that were valuable, he wanted to find out what are these rocks. So he dug into geology textbooks from Oregon State University, went to the Lakeview Public Library. He set up a rock shop in his garage. He started you know, polishing and cutting. He went on excursions looking for new things. He didn't find a name for these stones. Um, he thought... There's some kind of jasper. Beyond that, he didn't know. Um, Today, these stones that he found are known as transinite, and they are a type of jasper. So here he discovers a whole new stone, pretty exciting. And then he heard about this uranium craze. So he had found these crystals. He didn't have a Geiger counter, which is typically what you need to find these uh, so-called hot rocks because of the radioactivity. But he knew what the crystals looked like. Um, these uranium oxide crystals um, have a particular feature to them, and he found some stuff. And he cl- he put claims on it um, right away. Come to find out it wasn't super um, hot. They weren't considered valuable. He named that claim Lucky Day he had discovered uranium so just because you find uranium doesn't mean it's going to be good uranium or valuable uranium so this didn't slow him down he decided to keep looking he borrowed a ultraviolet light from a friend and started looking more areas well he had discovered some stuff um and he got with a partner who had a geiger counter and uh Without going into the whole story, his uh, uncle's wife, John Roosh, did. So he brought the rocks to him, and he asked him to scan them. Called him back that night. He was very excited. He said, the rocks are hot, and we better get back there and stake a claim. So the next day, they could get off of work, or right after work. They decided to partner up. They dug holes. They found pockets. They staked 16 claims that were hot. Um, One of them was so hot that no matter what type of Geiger counter they use, it would peg it right to, to the end of it. um, no matter what. So at this time, people were using airplanes with, uh, low flying, uh, airplanes with Geiger counters hanging down, very powerful Geiger counters to try to find low uranium, uh, low radiation areas. Actually, my grandfather claimed he did that over the chocolate mountains in California. Um, my great-grandfather did it more traditionally and found the uranium mine in in the Kelso Valley area, up, up in that area, and the government took it away from him, and he never got a penny. Um, I don't know if anybody's allowed to mine there to this day, but these guys seem like were very fortunate. They were able to get all these claims. Um, they were able to start digging and mining. Uh, Over one crazy summer in 1955, um, people had caught wind of it. Some 2,000 people came by and started taking tons of material from the road. 10,000 claims were staked in the Fremont National Forest by these other prospectors, hoping to strike it rich. And uh, as most uranium stories, they just don't have a happy ending. Um even the ones who did get the really powerful uranium, they didn't really realize how dangerous it was. And because of that, um, particulates of this dust would get into their lungs and uh, give them cancer uh, dozens of years later. And uh, unfortunately, the ones that worked underground and in the pits um, were the ones that had the worst uh, success. The more confined the area was, the more more uh, likely you were going to have um, cancer. So that area was put into a government Superfund cleanup program because of all the radiation in 2001. Most of that stuff's been hauled away, and uh, areas have been cleaned up. Now it's a beautiful meadowland that's quite pretty, and uh, some areas are still closed off due to lingering radioactivity. Sounds like it's a pretty hot area. I mean... But that is the history of an amateur rockhound who made a huge discovery of uranium. Scientists make miracle breakthrough to revolutionize solar power. Anthony cuthbert tells us about it in Yahoo Entertainment uh, on April 21st. This new material um, was discovered by a team in Hong Kong, and also they paired up with the Imperial College of London, to find out how to make these super powerful um, solar panels better than the traditional silicone cells that are used now. Uh, They're about 10 times stronger as I recall and they're lightweight, they're flexible. This opens up opportunities for coating glass windows and uh, using layers of solar panels to do that. Also coating the outsides of buildings and other things. The distinguished professor of physics at the University of Utah described this uh, property of this material. The material that they came up with is called perovaskites. Uh Perovskites, perovaskite is a mineral or a miracle, a miracle mineral as it was called in 2017. And they felt commercial... Uh, commercialization of this was at least a decade away, but they have found a way of making the metal um, using a special process to make it quicker, uh, to make this property, and they plan on utilizing this pretty quickly. They did this with the properties of something called ferrocinus, and this was done at the Imperial College Department of Chemistry, this breakthrough technique allowed scientists to create the first solar cell capable of performing similar level to silicon cells while still remaining stable. It has illuminated continuous for 1,500 hours while retaining 98% of its efficiency. This is a successful uh, test, according to the doctors and professors that have been working on it in the Utah um, City Use Department of Chemistry. So they feel that this will help them achieve the zero-carbon sustainability, um, and we'll see. Sounds promising. Petosaurs were covered with colorful feathers, according to study. CTVnews.ca tells us about the story. Ashley Strickland writes on April the 20th um, about the skies being filled with these petosauruses, flying through the air. Not only did they have feathers um, that they found, but they have probably been able to use these feathers in a color pattern determined by melanin melanin pigments. Now, they may have used these pigments to communicate with each other because this allows the bird to actually um, change colors, something they didn't expect at all, Um, In their studies and their discoveries, they feel that this is possible and um, they're still, uh, they feel that the feathers that they found in this latest discovery will close off the debate and they're very, um, very much feeling that uh, because they found, they're surprised to find preserved mellow somes or granules of melanine. These granules have different shapes uh, dep- depending on the types of feathers they were associated with on the dinosaur. And uh, they were also found in the preserved soft tissue. So that's how they quantify that uh, the bird had feathers and that it could actually change colors. So pretty interesting. Um, they found whether these traces of this non- Melanin pigments can be detected that give it the ability to change its pattern. Um, They have definitely identified that it would have uh, feathers, but uh, they're still trying to drill down on the color change. They feel that that is quite possible because of some of the things they're seeing. Now, Nevada is a wonderful place for rock hounding, turquoise, gold mining. um, At the NevadaAppeal.com the Nevada traveler. Before Eli, there was Lane City, a wonderful town. Lane City was a wonderful gold mining area. Richard Marino tells us about the White Pine County's earliest community, Lane City. It could still be visited just west of uh, of Eli and uh, originally was known as Mineral City, again, because of all the minerals and the significance to the mining Industry of that time. There's a lot of historians that talk about this area, talk about ghost towns and things like that. Um, some of the tidbits about this town, the gold discovery by Thomas Robertson led to promising silver discoveries in 1867. It became the Robinson Mining District in 1868. Uh, two years later, a community cropped up. That was Mineral City. They had a tin stamp mill, a smelter. It grew to over 600 residents. And then in 1872 and 1873, um, there were six saloons, four boarding houses, a handful of shops, and stores. And besides silver production beginning in 1874, Mineral City managed to survive several years as a regional hub for mining operations in the county. Now in 1880, the boom had gone bust. Most of its residents wandered off to more promising uh, mining or other opportunities. But the district uh, revived in 1896 when Charles D. Lane, a wealthy Eastern investor, purchased many of the claims, opened up the stamp mill, um, put it in power and water ditch, and then Mineral City's name was changed to Lane City. The next decade and a half, mines and mining operations would operate here and there sporadically. By 1910, the mines were pretty much shut down for good. Um, the post office that had just opened in 2000, or, uh, 1902 closed again in 1911. Because of the successful copper mining in Ruth, uh, Lane City wasn't completely abandoned as a number of miners continued to live in the community and wait, work on other mines in the area in Eli or this copper uh, mining area in Ruth. In the last part, Uh, The first part of the 20th century, Lane City boasted about a dozen homes, a brick schoolhouse, long abandoned. Um, They have been, but they are still standing. You can go there and visit this. Uh, It's about three miles northwest of Eli on the uh, east side of US 50, which is known as the loneliest highway in America. Uh, It's dirt roads. The area there's a lot of private property and and mine diggings and probably a lot of danger there. Um, to get a good look at the ruins, you can take a ride on the northern, the Nevada Northern Railway, which uh, operates regular excursions between its depot uh, depot in East Eli and Ruth. That's pretty cool. You can just scroll through the town on a train and see this uh, lost gold mine uh, town. Scottish research could drive quantum computing to breakthrough. Um, this is pretty interesting. Ross Kelly tells us at uh, digit.fyi on April 19th about this breakthrough. Um, this Nambian gemstone could be critical because of the new light-based quantum computers. This is what researchers believe. This uh, corpus oxide, Cu2, 2O gemstone mined in Nambia um, can produce hybrid particles of light and matter known as Roedberg polarizations. These roloid polarizations switch back and forth from light to matter. Wow, crazy. Roedberg polarizations, light and matter, are equivalent to each side of a coin, with the matter side allowing polarization to enter with each other. Um, This will allow these quantum simulators um, a new type of quantum computer where information is stored in quantum bits these could take a value between zero and one unlike binary bits in a classical computers it means that storing much more information can be done and several processes can be done at the same time so this project is led by hamid Ohad at the School of Physics and Astronomy at the University of St. Andrews. He said the breakthrough marks a significant moment for the future of quantum computing. Um, he commented making a quantum simulator with light is the holy grail of science. We have taken a huge step toward this by creating the roydberg polar polar rotations, a key ingredient of it. So it's probably a ways off, but uh, pretty cool Discovery. Now, listen to me closely because I'm not cussing. This Fuking meteorite is 4.5 billion years old. Uh, At truthorfiction.com, the Fuking is a location, F U K A N G. This Fuking meteorite, don't say that 10 times fast, is 4.5 billion years old. Um, Arturo Garcia tells us about this on April 19th that this rare, uh, meteorite was traveling, uh, has been traveling and, uh, it is named for the Chinese town where, let's see, it's already landed in Japan. It's traveling. Uh, I guess it's on a show. They're, they're taking it around and showing people it weighs 2000 pounds. They have some uh, pictures of it. It's pretty crazy looking. Um, looks like it's made out of glass or something. The Accompanying text photos, a fragment of the meteorite reads this fuking meteorite is four point five million years old and weighs over two thousand pounds. They got a picture of it, and the sunlight shines through parts of it um Some people say it was discovered in two thousand and eight um but whatever its core is comp- is composed of iron and silicate known as olivine, so it is like a glass it's pretty cool um it has been listed at Sotheby's auction, so that will probably sell for a good chunk of money. They they think it will go for about $3 million. Well, it was sold for $3 million in 2008, so it might go for even more than that. Um, they've polished a few little pieces of it, I guess, and uh, it looks pretty cool. You can see a video, too, if you want to go here. It's truthorfiction.com. Just look up that... Uh, Title that I told you in the beginning. Now we still got some gemstone stuff. We're getting to it. Introduction to lapidary. If you are basically new to lapidary, there is a class that you can take. Um, safety, basic skills to saw, grind, sand, polish, different kinds of rocks at the Wisconsin Union, wisc.edu. If you're in that area, you might want to look that up. Um, it is pricey. It's 180 bucks. I would say go join a rock and mineral club. It's cheaper. You can use their shop, and an old-timer will show you how to do this. But if that's not available, you can can do that. Astonishing gemstone worth $120 million unveiled in Dubai. This is the ruby we've talked about uh, periodically. This is an update, April 16th. Periodicaltoday.com by Takir Saeed. And this baby is 8,400 carats. You can see some video of it and pictures of it if you just look that up. The largest ruby, um, beautiful, beautiful gemstone. The searchers are having their 61st annual Gem and Mineral Jewelry Show at the Brookhurst Community Center on April 30th, which is a Saturday. And on Sunday, May 1st, which is a Sunday, starts at 10 um goes to 5 on Saturday, goes only to 4.30. You go to www.searchersrock.org. Find out about it. It's free. Um, door prizes, all kinds of good stuff. These are a really good group of people with a lot of knowledge. Um, go check it out. All right, let's talk about some purple rocks, gems, and minerals. Okay, this information comes from a lot of sources, um, but I'm also tying in some rock and gem and uh, some personal experience, so. so don't get in trouble for uh, pleasurizing. But purple is a beautiful color. Purples and blues, always been desired. Um, charlite is a rare silica mineral with a chemical formula that is quite long. Um, it occurs in a massive form, not as crystals. Charlite is named after the place of its discovery, which is the Murunsky Massif at the confluence of the Chara River and the Toko River in the Sakha Republic, Yukutai of eastern Siberia in Russia. It is a singular deposit in the world. That's the only place you're going to get it. That's why it's so expensive. It's mostly opaque. Um, at best, is highly translucent. I've never seen translucent. Uh, I've never seen it where light will go through it. So that would be awesome to see a piece like that. That would be very, very valuable. It has swirling patterns of deep lilac violet to purple color um, because of magnesium and iron, while the fibrous asbestos, so you definitely don't want to cut this dry, um, asbestos charlite bands display a silky... Um, They call it like a cat's eye effect. The uh, cat catadency, I'm not sure how to say that, but it's a cat's eye effect. But it has a beautiful, um, I've never seen it with a cat's eye, but I'm sure it does. But it does have a beautiful pearly luster. This stuff can splinter and split apart, so be very careful. I tried to make a heart out of one and I ruined a couple pieces before I did. So making a small heart is tough. Um... The reason Charlite uh, splinters is partly because of the minerals that it makes up. That makes it up, which is uh, carbonites, um, quartz. The more quartz, the better. Pale greens, microline, feldspar. Um, the feldspar can can be stringy. The dark green to black star-shaped sprays of um, uh, arugite sphere, raspberry red federite, and golden cadent blades of tinskite create striking flower patterns. Um, One distinct variety known as flower charlite articulates rich visual complex mineral patterns reminiscent of a painter's brush strokes or delicate crown stems of flowers. Flower charlite has beautiful visually ornate look and some pieces contain bluish violet hues that match exactly the very peri color um interesting it goes on to more of it charlite again they talk about it being uh, susceptible to splitting shredding splintering that can be frustrating um, during the processes of sanding polishing at the end so you definitely don't want to get it too hot it is a hardness of five to six, but they take a good polish and uh, it is just beautiful material to, to look at and to It's hard to work with though. Another one is bertrandrite, which is known as the Tiffany Stone. It's a fluorescent beryllium hydrate silicate. Uh, mined at the Topaz and Spores Mountains in the Juab County of Utah. Um, Tiffany stone used to be quite plentiful. It's rare now. It is not hard to work with. It's a beautiful purple fluorite, white to pale yellow opal. Um, it has uh, can be banded uh, as a ca- as a chalcedony, which is also in it. Um, it, it appears in various color arrangements, And also different hardnesses. It can be dark pink, red colors, uh, druzy, quartz pockets, add to the rarity and value. Uh, Tanzanite. There's another beautiful one that we're familiar with. Uh, This is a high-quality gemstone, crystals, only found in uh, Tanzania, in Africa. Um, It is a zoizite, and uh, we've talked about that quite a bit. Beautiful blue-violet and burgundy colors with three crystal directions. Um, pretty tough to, uh, to grind, and, and with just grinding, typically it's cut as a uh, faceted stone. Now, uh, uh, blue chalcedony, um, the holy uh, chalcedony, can be very beautiful. It is a variety of quartz found uh, near, I guess it would be, not ho, ha, holly, holly, just four miles southwest of the town, of sweet home in Lynn County in western Oregon. The blue color ranges from deep blue to lavender blue. Some have uh, lacy bands and fortification patterns, which are the tri-shaped or square-shaped, usually tri-shaped, triangle-shaped. Sometimes occurs in the outer layer of rhyolite, very beautiful um, and very desired for carvers because of this color and uniformity. Um, Sugalite, here is another beautiful um, purple to pink, Um, usually more of a a kind of a reddish purple in uh, color. It has a very complex chemical formula, usually found in massive form, not single crystals, Best mining location is found in the Wessels Mine in Northern Cape Province of South Africa. It's also found in Japan. The Japanese name is sugi, pronounced with a hard G as in geese. Um, The material is commonly pronounced with a soft G as a gene. That is a uh, mispronunciation has become the norm. Shugalite's hardness. Moes 5.5 to 6.6. Sugalite colors are lavender purple, lavender pink, dark purple, bright purple, high translucently. Gel Sugalite is considered the rarest. I've never seen that, but that would be really cool. Sugalite occurs with blue veinlets of minerals of rich tyritite that match the the same kind of a color of... uh, the very peri color, making a stunning color combination. And uh, this stuff also is can can chip and flake apart too. So you need to be careful when you are using that. All right. Uh, don't think I have much else to tell you. Did I tell you about the, the dinosaur that walks on stilts? It's a sea creature, thought to be about six centimeters in length. Uh, had some very strange features. Had no eyes. It was related to the crab. You can find out about this at bbc.co.uk. This small creature was found in Ontario, Canada last year. It was a part of uh, arthropods uh, that lived uh, long, long ago related to spiders, lobsters, and crabs, and centipedes. It had these uh, what looked like curved combs, two of them out each side of its head like horns, and then walked on these stilt-like legs with these pointy crab legs, following behind Uh, looks like it just scoured the ocean floor looking for things to eat kind of a scavenger type uh, creature they found a the first uh, very complete fossil of this uh, this soft bodied um, uh, fossil which is very rare because it's that type doesn't get preserved very often so there it is If you want to find out about that you can check it out guys that's about all i got for now um, until next time, remember, rockhounds don't die, they petrify.